Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 156 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, I would like you to acknowledge me once again as the reigning and defending A-Show champion. Uncrowned, of course, but uh, it's only a formality. Well, uh, as this records and airs, the episode has not come out yet, but it has been recorded, yes? Yes, we recorded uh, this past Monday nights, into the wee hours of the morning, mind you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, as I said privately to some folks, and I'll say publicly here, um, listening to Tim and Marcus on Final Wrestling Place over the weekend, uh, Tim sounded shook. (laughs) <laughs> Tim sounded prepared for defeat yeah. and was already making contingency plans of how to get another shot at you. Yeah, like I listened to that episode, obviously, and I, I don't understand where this mindset is that the third act is all that matters if I win the first two. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can understand if somehow he manages to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat and beat me, and then it's one and one, then of course, you know, a rubber match. A rubber match is uh, due, but if I go two and zero, oh, I know he's trying to dangle a doll safari in front of me and a little chauffeur's cap and let me rip heaters in his car and all those things. But if I'm two and zero, oh, I really don't have anything to prove, and uh, he was already planning for that. Now I'll say this, you know, obviously, and I appreciate your confidence, of course. Um, then I'll say, what if Brett beats the two he is? Well, then I will still be undefeated against him in my eyes. And that's really all you were doing this was. Yeah, of course. Like, if the voting is 100% Brett, 0% you, 0% Tim, that's still a victory for you. Yes, here's the thing. Like, if, let's say, Brett wins 50% of the vote, and then me and Tim are 25-25, then okay, whatever. But if somehow, like, I come in third, I will consider that a loss to Tim. Mm. You know, okay. Like that, I, I don't mind coming in second to Brett, but yeah. you would. Okay, so <laughs> I love this. So you don't mind coming second to Brett, co-host of Wings on Wings, and uh, we need wrestling here at soontobenamednetwork.com. And don't get me wrong, um, I, I won't. I'm going okay, to okay. Brett, but you know, worst case scenario, it's Brett first place, me second place, Tim third place. Now. Again, let's say, uh, and again, obviously I can't speak for Tim, Brett first place, Tim second place, you last place. Do you think that would be satisfactory to Tim? Would he, would, okay, would that be satisfactory to you? Would you want another go at Tim? Or are you like, I'm done. I've already beaten Tim once. Uh, Brett kind of split the vote either way. It, well, the way I see it, me and Brett are very like-minded individuals, so I feel like if he wins, those votes would have been mine. So I'll just add them to my tally, and that's how I'll, I'll justify my, my victory. Right. <laughs> now, and here's the thing. Oh, oh go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, like, obviously not to give any spoilers away, but, you know, they both get presented and drafted very, very good shows. Uh-huh. You know, from if you were listening to the presentation, you'd be like, oh, this is a show I'd like to attend, or this is a show... I'd like to watch on television, which is all well and good, except for the fact that the topic is 2000 WCW. 
I presented what you could expect was like a little snapshot of 2000 WCW where they were like, oh, I'm going to put together a really entertaining indie show featuring these people and that, that all happened to have wrestled in 2000, you know? So that being said, um, obviously I have not listened to the show, <clears throat> but I did see during the recording of the show, Matt did tweet out from the show account that your wild card pick broke the show. <laughs> I went into it with the mindset of, you know, when Vince McMahon decided he was going to destroy the WWF with a lethal dose of the NWO. Like, that was my thing that I just, I knew going into this show months ago when we were first toying around with the idea of WCW 2000. I knew what my wild card was going to be, and I knew it would cause, like, reverberations throughout the A-Show community. Like, I, it would it would do irrevocable damage to the show, and I... <laughs> I think I think that it did. Like I so I'm very proud of just the chaos that I sowed. So I'll I and again I can't even imagine what you did. I can only imagine it was like some sort of porn star that did like a one-off at XPW or something <laughs> to do like some sort of thing. Now, I didn't get a chance to check the timeline on this, right? Yeah. Um and again, obviously no spoilers. Um and again, bear with me one second because I want to tell you what my Obviously, I wasn't on the show. Mm. Um, and when did this happen? I have to. This is very important information that I need to see when this happened. Okay. Okay. So this would have been in the time frame, and I have to ask. Um, this, this is the only spoiler I'll ask for. Okay. Yep. Did you or anyone else on the show? Draft Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh no. Okay. Not that, not that I recall unless unless Beetlejuice had like a weird WCW name that just slipped under the radar. Beetlejuice had like an extended program against Jeff Jarrett in mm -hmm. late 2000 WCW. I'll just say I did not have Jeff Jarrett. The person who took Jeff Jarrett was very proud of themselves for taking Jeff Jarrett. And now that I think about it, they really dropped the ball by not booking him with Beetlejuice. Like, let Beetlejuice get that win back, you know? Well, that would have been like the the show-long storyline. It would have been like an Austin McMahon thing, a game <laughs> of cat and mouse with Double J and Beetlejuice. Uh, <laughs> but I will say if they didn't, if anyone drafted Beetlejuice on their show was a WCW roster member. He appeared on appeared on multiple episodes of Nitro and an episode of Thunder. They they automatically would have gotten my vote. No, <laughs> the, the rest of the shows would not have mattered. Yeah, Beetlejuice was, drafted. You win. There was discussion as to whether or not the uh, the actual band Kiss was up for grabs because somebody took the Demon. Sure. And I really do regret not looking into all of the random celebrities that like popped up, you know, whether it be like the NASCAR drivers or, you know, whatever, uh, who I, it was probably after that. But who was the uh, the rap group that came out? Uh, oh, man, the No Limit Soldiers. Yeah. Like, were they WCW 2000? Like, I feel like there I could have done something with that. I think I they were ninety nine. OK, same thing with like rap is crap like the. What? Yeah, that like the rap is crap spun out of Master P and the No Limit Soldiers. Okay. Because um, I was kicking myself afterwards for not exploring that, but I'm glad that it wasn't the right timeline. Yeah, pre-Russo 99 WCW was Bischoff trying to get, like, all these musical acts to do stuff. 
I think like Chad Brock maybe play, like some country star played in an episode of Nitro as well in '99. Mm-hmm. So my beat my backup would have been Jarrett and Beetlejuice, like show long storyline, and the rest would just all be filler, right? <laughs> yeah, obviously you're building to that. It's a one match show, you know, right? Um, you know, everybody has a storyline because it's Russo era. But you need that. That's your that's your Rock Austin. That's your Austin McMahon. Whatever. Yeah, of course. But what I would have booked uh, if I was on the show, and I'm gonna guess no one did because obviously my mind works a little bit differently than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my first pick, I would have picked my commentary team of Kevin Nash and Dusty Rhodes right <laughs> off the. Okay. Yeah. My second pick would have been with the television title Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, that's a that's a good pick. That's a good okay. pick. Okay. Then every other pick that I I had would be from the bottom of the list up. <laughs> and I would book a WCW worldwide taping where it was where I would just literally be randomizing matches. It's like, <laughs> "Oh, Silver King and Scott Armstrong versus The Wall and Super Calo, right? It would just be <laughs> the random shit that you would see on WCW Worldwide at the time, uh, except for there would be one match of Duggan defending the TV title. If you remember, there was an episode of Nitro, or Thunder, rather, where Nash did commentary, yeah. and every move that Duggan did was the old glory blank. <laughs> the old glory clothesline, the old glory chin lock, the old glory knee drop, and it would just be so I could do that joke. <laughs> Uh, see, I think there's a lot of meat on the bone for WCW 2000. I think uh, if there's ever a repeat of that topic, you should be the guy to go on there and represent us. Well, I just gave away the two things that I would do, so now <laughs> i got to think of a third thing to do, you know? Uh, yeah, this is true. But I'm looking forward. Monday, Monday, it'll be out. Um, and I will uh, make sure, of course, you'll find it over at Soon To Be Named Network. Um, uh, Brett, Tim, and Adam, all members in good standing of the Soon To Be Named <laughs> Network. Yeah, and obviously, you know, go give it a listen, and then when the poll comes out, you know, vote for who you think had the best WCW 2000 show, you know, uh, which means uh, definitely me. Well, we'll see when we, this upcoming Monday, and there'll be more discussion about uh, that next week, right here. Unre- unrelated, do you know how many Twitter accounts you can have on your phone? Like, is there a <laughs> limit? <laughs> uh, I'll say I don't know. But it's six. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, but it's six. Fair enough. <laughs> and now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. Okay. So this is a busy This Day in Wrestling History. Okay. Yeah, you Hunts, kept, you kept on chatting. Were made, things were taken off the list. Things were put on the list and so forth. Uh, so this day, wrestling history in 2012, uh, was Chikara King of Trios night three. I won't dive too much into that card because that is going to be not the homework I assigned this time, but it's going to be the homework I assigned the next time I get to assign homework, which I think is three weeks from now. Okay. Because you get next week and then the week after that is a pay-per-view or... Next week is a pay-per-view, and then you get the week after that. I forget which is which. Something like that. Okay. Uh, also, on this day in wrestling history, in 1996, from the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina, 
World Championship Wrestling held Nitro, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the NWO has debuted over over uh, Memorial Day weekend. We get the Hogan turn. And this is, like, the beginning of that hot run of Nitro. This episode of Nitro alone has the debut of six. Hmm. The in-ring debut after six months of vignettes of Glacier. Ooh. And the Sting promo the night after Fall Brawl, where he, this is the last time on WCW TV that he is what we call Surfer Sting. And, like, the next time we see Sting on WCW, he's the crow. And and even though he was Surfer Sting, his hair was pretty much dark. Right. And it was longer and everything like that. He just had like the the surfer thing gear and face paint. Yep. Okay. Uh, but that line that he ends his promo with when he says the only thing about the only thing that's for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. I love that line and I use that all the time in my regular life. <laughs> so like you're ordering takeout and they're like, sir, do you want like extra fries with that? And they're like, the only thing that's sure is that nothing's for sure. sure. <laughs> So, uh, also on this day in wrestling history, in 2016, we're jumping all over the place because it's order of importance, right? Sure, of course. Um, This day, uh, 2016, uh, was Double J, Jeff Jarrett's Uh last ever TNA match, okay? This was in the midst of the TNA versus Global Force Wrestling feud. Mm -hmm. This was the big blow-off. In a five-on-five lethal lockdown cage as Team TNA took on Team Global Force. Adam. Yes. I've already given you Double J. (laughs) Can you name anyone that was on either one of these teams? Fuck. Uh, 2016. Yes. Was, I'm trying to. Like, you don't even have to say, like, what team they were on. You just say a name. I'll be like, yes, no, whatever. Uh, was uh, Bubba Deadly on one of the teams? No, Ray Deadly was not on either one of the teams. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, e- EC3. No, EC3 was heavily involved in this episode, but he was not on one of the teams. I don't remember who was on. I know Hawkins was on Global Force, but I have no idea who else was there. Was he Okay, on? so <laughs> team, team Global Force Wrestling, Captain Double J... Yeah. Chris Masters, Eric Young, Sanjay Dutt, and Hawkins. Oh, see, I did get one. All right, cool. I got one. Hold on. And, hold on. I'm just trying to think. Uh, I want to try to name somebody from TNA. There's people screaming at their podcast players right now. I have no idea who was even in uh, TNA at the time. Go ahead. Okay. Team TNA is Davey Richards, okay. Eddie Edwards, Bob Lashley. Team Captain Drew Galloway. Oh, okay. And the surprise mystery member of Team TNA ends up being Bram. Now, this is one of those deals where they would tape like a month of TV at a time, right? Yeah. And this was like week two in the middle of a four-week taping cycle. And in the midst of them taping this and this airing, uh, allegations of Bram abusing and beating his girlfriend slash wife came out, and he was like the savior of Team TNA. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at like 
spousal abuse. That's horrible. But Bram is a horrible person. I think his name is Tom Latimer. I think he's in NWA now. Um, but he stinks. And it just it just is like, yeah, we're going to just bank a couple of these episodes. Hopefully nothing bad happens to anyone in like the next like three to four weeks. Right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But uh, Brian Myers, Team Global Force Gold, him and uh, whatever the hell his name was before he was Cameron Grimes. Uh, were the uh, co-Global Force and TNA Tag Team Champions at one point during this run. Yeah, I, I do remember uh, Cameron Grimes from that era because he used to wrestle against the the Broken Hardys a lot. Yep, Trevor Lee was his name, yes. Yeah. Okay. It's it's uh, amazing that that era of, of uh, TNA wrestling isn't more memorable. Uh, it's something. Yeah. <laughs> However... The most important thing we had to save for last. Adam, on this day in wrestling, 1995. From the ECW arena in South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Extreme Championship Wrestling held the event, Gangsta's Paradise. This entire event was released in its entirety on VHS, and a majority of it was clipped up for television. Mm. Uh, This show uh, saw, and again, ECW is still trying to find out what they're figuring to do. Um, you know, this uh, show does the the main event of this is uh, a steel cage match of Mikey Whipwreck and the Public Enemy taking on the Sandman, Two Cold Scorpio, and New Jack. Okay. Um, there's that infamous spot of uh, Scorpio and Rocco Rock standing on top of the cage holding each other gingerly and then like essentially in slow motion counting one, two, three and jumping off the top of the cage together (laughs) through some tables. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was shown in the commercial for this VHS tape for the next six months. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was also the ECW arena debut of Rey Mysterio and Psychosis. Which is also shown a hundred times, you know, it was like the, the like fucking Frankenstein or onto the tables on the crowd. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, But most importantly, Adam, on this event, a match that was shown in its entirety on television, sadly is not available on YouTube, but if you could find it, you could find it. Uh, Maybe the pinnacle greatest ECW match of all time. And this would be Raven and Stevie Richards defending the tag team titles against the Pitbulls in a two out of three falls, double dog collar match. Okay. I I vaguely remember this, but why is this the greatest match in ECW history? Because this is one of those. So you have those matches in or you have those things in ECW where like one match flows into the other match into the next match. And it kind of like continues this whole story through the course of like three or four or five matches. Yeah. That all happens in this one match. So the match isn't initially two out of three falls. The match is initially just the double dog collars. But Raven comes out alone. Stevie's not there. Beulah gets on the mic and says, Stevie's not around. Make this fair. It's two out of three falls match. Whatever. Pitbull two locks himself up to Raven. They start fighting Pitbull. One goes to the back and grabs Stevie and brings him from the back. Stevie's already initially uh, bladed and cut up, right? Mm. Uh, So this is one of those clips where... Uh, this was in the opening of ECW Forever, where they go to give Raven the super bomb off the top rope, and they're short on the table, and they just jam Raven's neck into the edge of the table, nearly decapitating him. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, you have Raven and Richards doing the super bombs to uh, the Pitbulls, and the Pitbulls no selling them. You have the Dudleys. You have uh, Alfonso and Todd Gordon running in. You have uh, one of the Pitbulls getting, like, ethered out of the match. Tommy Dreamer comes out to replace him. Tommy Dreamer uh, gets the pinfall on Raven, but Bill Alfonso waves it off. Mm-hmm. Dick du- Big Dick Dudley gives uh, Tommy Dreamer the choke slam. Bill Alfonso on the mic says the choke slam has been reinstated for tonight because he had previously banned the choke slam. That calls nine one one out. Nine one one finally gets his hands on Bill Alfonso. It's like everything, like seven different storylines are all intertwined to this match. It's the perfect ECW match. It's the match that when I saw it on TV, I said I'm going to Philadelphia. I'm going to the ECW arena and it would happen three weeks later. <laughs> like this is the match that like, like I was an ECW fan, but this was the match that made me like, I need to be there. I need to be part of this. I'd been going to Jim Thorpe shows since like April of that year. And those were fine. Those were good. But like the arena, like I was only like an 18 year old kid. Like I'm driving two hours to Philly in my folks car, you know, I'm bringing my 13 year old brother with me and like whoever else wants to come along, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was this match that I'm like, I'm fucking going, man. I'm going to the goddamn ECW arena. I say this all the time. I'll say it again. One of my biggest wrestling related regrets is to have never gone to the ECW arena back in its heyday. You know, you can go now and watch an indie show, but who cares? You know, it's not the same thing. It's not the same, man. Uh, You know, like even up until like 97 ish, 98 ish. uh, But once you get into like 99 and they're on TNN, like going to those shows just wasn't the same anymore. Yeah, I, I there were so many times where I was just like, listen, I'm going. And I talked to the one or two buddies of mine that were, you know, they'd go to the Jim Thorpe shows or the CYC shows. And I'd be like, let's go to this. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And then it would come to be like a couple days beforehand and be like, oh, I can't go. And I just never went. And it, it's a big regret. Yep. Uh, but more on that in three weeks when we talk about that first show I went to. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm excited. Um I love talking ECW. Uh, so, no, really? Yes. Uh, let's get into what we liked and didn't like uh, in the world of professional wrestling in these last seven days. All right. So I'm going to start off with a dislike. And I, I feel like both of my dislikes can be taken very loosely as dislikes because there's things I like about them. But uh, my first dislike is I'm just going to simply say NXT. And that could be said about so much about the show. Uh, the reason why I could have slipped this into my likes is because now I feel like once Gargano's gone, especially, I don't have to watch NXT anymore because I don't want to watch a developmental show. And you can argue, oh, well, that's what NXT's always been. But it was obviously Paul trying to have an indie company under the WWE umbrella. You know, that was what the vision was kind of taken as. But after watching NXT this week and the, the, the presentation was nice. The lighting was nice. It had a different feel to it. But at the end of the day, especially when they, they go and they sneak in the guy, uh, the Beverly Brothers kid into the main events. And, you know, you, you go and have all these people who've never been so- shown on television before all of a sudden featured prominently. It's what I would akin to watching an episode of OVW or FCW with mixing in like 
some established guys that are on their way out. So, I mean, my dislike is is just all of NXT this week. And other than Mandy, shout out to her, uh, looking good. And uh, the wedding was fun at the end. But I, I, I think the fact that, you know, NXT as we knew it is dead. It's not coming back. Uh, it's not to say it's going to be bad television, but it's not really going to be television for me anymore. So this isn't my likes. See, I, it could have gone another way. Like I said, there was things in there that I liked, but you know, pretty much for most of the reasons that you mentioned, uh, I liked the look of the show. You know, if you're going to rebrand the show and obviously cutting Matt and Jeff a paycheck, cause you're calling it NXT 2.0, <laughs> uh, you know, it looked different. It felt different. I think they should have changed the commentators. I get why they didn't. I understand that. We got tons of new debuts. Um, you know, there was a lot of just very basic matches. Um, they had to close the loop on the uh, Indian Dexter stuff, which I thought was handled great. Um, but, you know, Triple H's experiment failed and is over. Um Hopefully Triple H is okay. Um, haven't seen a picture of him convalescing. I hope he's okay. Um, but it's going to take a while because the last five years conditioned us to think that NXT is a super indie. It was never supposed to be a super indie. The only person who thought it was a super indie was Triple H. Everyone else in the company knew that it wasn't. So it's going to take a little while to get it back to what it should be, to be a developmental program to see people grow and change and become whatever they're supposed to be in the WWE system for better, or for worse. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, a refreshing look at what for the last five years has been something that it should never have been. Yeah. But the last five years of NXT has been my favorite WWE programming from top to bottom, you know, okay. that's gone. You know, there, there's things on the main roster that I've loved over the last five years you know, everything from, you know, the, the the tribal chief down to Daniel Bryan and, you know, Kevin Owens, whatever. But top to bottom, most purely enjoyable show was always NXT. And I just feel like that that's over. NXT 2.0 doesn't rule, Joe. I hear NXT UK is, uh you know, going to scratch that itch that you might be missing from the old NXT there, Adam. <laughs> I, does that exist? I don't think Allegedly. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so we crossed over on that. Do you want to go, or would you like me to go again with another controversial dislike? No, you know what? I'm going to go to dislike, okay? Okay. So, Adam, uh, you're a fancy gentleman. You work in the importer-exporter business. I, I am, and I do. Do you know how much it costs to get permits to block off an entire parking lot in an outlet mall? Do you know how much it costs to put together floats ticker tape parade, bring in outside vendors, circus acts, a carnival. It's a huge overhead, right? I would imagine, yes. I usually right. have people to handle that stuff for me, but go on. Right. So I hear that these things cost a lot of money, just like I hear you can have six accounts on your phone for Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the good people of Hagerstown, Maryland, were ready for their ticker tape parade. Oh, they were yeah. ready for their conquering <laughs> hero to return as NXT champion, the grant they were going to name it L.A. Night Day, which mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense, but they were still going to do it in Hagerstown, Maryland. Um, you know, I was going to be there if I blocked off the time. 
Because of the sketchiness of the area, we were only allowed to go around the parking lot of the strip mall four times. I tried to negotiate for five, but then that would have been golden time for some (laughs) of the union and Teamster people. And none of that shit happened, but I still got stuck with the goddamn bill. Um, (laughs) But in seriousness, uh, I, you know, again, I joke about it online, but I like LA Knight. I think he's really come around in these last couple months. And, uh, they sent me and him a message by having him lose twice on this episode <laughs> of NXT. And the 2.0 stands for how many times LA Knight is going to lose. And that being said, you know, is him using uh, his charisma, the overness and everything else that he has as the million dollar megastar to put over some young kids like 45 year old Tom- Tomato Chomper on his way out to the big leagues. Um, I still have hope that L.A. Knight is going to be a slightly above Dolph Ziggler level heel on one of the two shows. Mm. Um, but I was bummed to see him lose twice on NXT. That was the only down part of NXT this week. Honestly, if you had asked me to rank who was most likely to win the NXT title in my mind, uh, going into the night, like before I started the show, it was definitely L.A. Knight. And then once the show started, it was the guy I never saw because I figured they would just put the strap on him if they're going to go purely developmental. Uh, but I do agree. It, at this point, I'd be fine with L.A. Knight winning the NXT title because it doesn't mean what it meant to me pre uh, carrying cross, you know, like sure. pre carrying cross, there was some prestige to that title, but like now it's like not so much. But I am looking forward to getting several crates of those uh, LA Knight new NXT World Champion T-shirts before you deliver them overseas. All right. <laughs> so well, yeah. How many? How many mediums do I need to put you down for? Two. One to keep fancy, and one to get all dirty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, you don't want a third one to frame and put on your wall? Only if you can get them to sign it. Okay. <laughs> or you can just, you know, chop it up and make a frame out of it. You know, like put it like into a plaque. Cause right. And, are, I gar- I, and with those, I guarantee delivery confirmation. So. Oh, nice, nice. You won't have somebody like L.A. Knight would be like, nobody owns one of those yet. And be like, oh, yeah, a lot of them own them, L.A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're not out yet. Nobody has them. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Oh boy. Oh, yep. Anyway. What a what a fun community. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Dislike number two for me. I'm gonna take some heat for this and I you have to hear me out. I feel like I have to say this a lot. But my second dislike this week is the fact that Big E cashed in the money in the bank briefcase specifically because he cashed in on Monday Night Raw. And specifically because I feel like there was no uh, anticipation. Well, there was anticipation, but there was no surprise to it. Uh, Big E, we've been saying for months and months and months, he's he's deserving of the cash-in. He's deserving of the world championship. We had postulated that he might be the guy to take the belt off of Roman Reigns come Mania or at some point in a big event. And I just feel like the fact that they kind of threw it on a random Monday Night Raw, and I get it. You want to pump those numbers for ratings. But nobody's watching Raw. I'm not watching it anymore. You're not watching it aside from clips and here and there. Uh, I I just feel like the fact that it was like, hey, I'm probably going to cash in tonight or I am going to cash in. I don't know. I didn't watch the show, so I don't know the specifics. But it was just it, it did not come out of nowhere. And I feel like that's the best way 
uh, on Money in the Bank cash and could be. I'm still watching WWE pay-per-views, so I guess jealously uh, I-, I wanted it to be where we were closing out a pay-per-view or closing out a title match and you'd hear his music hit. And I just feel like the fact that it was just done on Raw, I don't know, it lost something special to me. But kudos to him. I mean, he deserves it. The entire internet wrestling community and his peers, you know, are, are very happy for him. So that just shows, you know, you know what they think of him and what he's like. So I just don't like the way it was done, you know. And then also the fact that you have, you know, Bobby Lashley just had a very hard felt, hard fought match with Randy Orton, and he's hobbled. He's on one leg, and it takes Big E a while to put him away, you know. So it's just the whole presentation of it left a lot to be desired in an otherwise great result. Uh, this is my likes. I told you. Um. I, I get all those reasons that you say as it was built up. Again, I know you're you're not on or seeing Twitter as much as I do, but they announced it on Twitter earlier in the day on Monday that he was going to cash it in. I think Kofi might have said it in like an interview somewhere and then Big E put it out online. Then WWE officially went with it. And I take all the things that you say into very much consideration um, more times than not, and again, I don't want to say every time, but more times than not, when the babyface catches in the money in the bank, they ha- they have to do it in an honorable way, where they have to call their shot. Very rarely do they do it in a sneaky manner, you know? Um, and I think that's maybe why sometimes when a babyface does it that way, it kind of hurts them in the long run. See Nikki Cross recently with the way that she did it. Um, and look where she currently is on the card now. But when the smoke cleared and everything was said and done, it was one of the more positive things that WWE has done in a long time. It was, you know, I don't like to get into this. This is more of a Pod Van Dam thing, but just the vitriol that's online and between WWE fans and AEW fans and saying that AEW wrestlers shouldn't be friends with WWF wrestlers and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you watch... If you're a WWE fan and you watch AEW, it's like cheating on your spouse or significant other and all this other crazy shit. But like Biggie winning had like AEW and WWE people in agreement online, primarily people that work for the companies talking to each other, congratulating Biggie, Biggie responding back to them, talking to people like Powerhouse Hobbs saying how impressed he is with them and you know, hoping that they get something down the road in the future. You never know. And uh, it was an overall positive experience. I completely get why you were in my, it was in your dislikes prior to it happening. It was in my dislikes, but when it happened and again, I don't watch raw, but I assume that they were closing the show with it. So I tuned in for like the last 10 minutes. I saw it. I loved it. It was great. I was very happy for Biggie. Yeah. The celebration with the other guys in the new day, it was, was genuine and, and good too. Yeah. All right, I have two likes left. All right, well, I only got a dislike left, so it's on you, pal. Uh, I can, I can, my my dislike is uh, semi-ranty, but it's just more anger than anything. All right, then I'll bang mine out real quick because they are pretty, pretty easy, quick ones. Uh, My first like is the fact that for AEW Dynamite this week, in the main event, we had Eddie Kingston and Jon Moxley against... I have it in here 3.0, but it's 2.0. Again, I just continue to be amazed by the fact that these guys that NXT didn't really see anything in are now just hanging with the biggest and the best of of all of wrestling. And uh, yeah, they didn't quite pull out the victory. It was close. It was close. 
but like the fact that they were in the main picture, the main event of you know one of the biggest wrestling shows in the world uh, is just awesome. Uh, I, I really wish there was more time for the match. I wish that 2.0 got the win, but uh, afterwards they had to leave enough time on the show for for that one guy to have his song, which I guess people enjoy. But uh, other than that, it's just really cool to see uh, 2.0 in the picture. And obviously Red Death coming out during the match too. Just the continued prominence of these guys on national television is awesome. For sure. Uh, Makes me happy. And, uh, you know, they uh, are right in the, the, the big picture thing. They're featured players on TV. It's awesome. Yeah. And my other like is also from AEW. But here's the thing, Joe. I have never had a like or a dislike that was based solely on a grainy photograph from a tweet. And my my second like is the fact that we have this debut on AEW Dark Elevation that has not yet aired. But, you know, maybe more on it as it comes up after it airs. But... The fact that there was this debut of somebody called Avery Good, I, I I'm I'm kind of uh, intrigued. I, I didn't see much. Again, I just see a grainy photograph, but uh, that guy looks like he might be a very good professional wrestler, and I, I'm very anxious to check out Dark when it comes out. And I I've never rarely been aside from when Negative One does commentary or when Tay Conti wrestles. This is the first time I've been genuinely excited to go and check it out. So. Uh, and also, just as a tie-in, the picture that Bryce tweeted out of all the Chikar guys was was really awesome afterwards too. Uh, the you know we we could have done likes just based on speculation on stuff that's going to happen in weeks or was taped or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, just say um, when I woke up uh, Wednesday seven, I rolled out of bed a little bit before seven o'clock. Going to the bathroom, heading over to the toilet, checking the Twitter feed. And you know how everyone, like, uh, there's that stock tweet that everyone in AEW tweets out when it's like Dynamite or Rampage or Pay-Per-View, you know? Yeah. Has the GIF and it has the matches and everything else like that. And I'm looking at my timeline and I follow a bunch of people in AEW, you know? And I see somebody tweeted that out at 7 o'clock in the morning. I see it was a very good professional wrestler. And I'm like... That's interesting. <laughs> I go to the bathroom, have my breakfast, brush my teeth, get ready for the day. It's about 830 or so. I'm like, he's probably up by now. So I just shoot him a text. I'm like, hey, what's going on today? <laughs> so uh, I kept my mouth shut until other people noticed the tweet and start talking about it. Um, I was very happy for him. Again, we'll be watching Monday, and I'm sure that'll be a shoe in for the likes. Um, but I'll say, I know his wife and his kids got to go. Um, and I know his kids got a chance to see him wrestle on a very big stage in front of tens of thousands of people. Um, so even if he doesn't get picked up, which I'm almost certain that he will, um, again, he's, he already had his dark match. Um, so he... A uh, very good professional wrestler was supposed to do a WWE tryout the week COVID happened. Yeah. Um, and then when they start doing the tapings in Jacksonville, he was on the list. Um, pretty much any time he wanted, he had a spot sitting there ready for him waiting to go. 
uh, to come down and do one of those tapings and life and his real job. And then the injury that he sustained at the ECW Super 8 uh, put a damper on all those things. So it's awesome uh, to see him get this chance. And a guy like him, all he needs is a chance. Because yeah. after that, he ain't going to need a second chance because he's cut from that same cloth as a guy like Eddie Kingston, a guy like Orange Cassidy, uh, guys like 2.0, any of those guys that you saw in that picture that Adam mentioned. Um, you know, I'm doing my best Israel name, but, uh, you know, Avery Good is very good. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that match on Monday. Yeah, very much so. And I, I knew nothing about it. I've said many times that I feel like my my Twitter usage, you'll see a, a flurry of tweets from me over the course of like an hour, maybe once a week. And that's yeah. about my entire Twitter usage nowadays. So I knew nothing about this until a couple hours after Dynamite was over. And I was just trying to catch up on the line, you know, the the responses about uh, Dynamite. And I saw that and I legitimately was like, what the hell? So uh, yeah. very, very happy. Looking forward to elevation for sure um again we might you know i know i said that i only can handle one hashtag at a time moron Mm -hmm. but uh you know he gets avery good gets hired maybe we might need to throw a hashtag out there for uh boar hollow wicked like that maybe get them a look you know see how that works out but uh one hashtag at a time moron yeah I'm willing to put myself to the back of the queue if the, if it's for a good cause, you know? Oh, so even further back than the back of the queue that you're already at. I feel like I was coming up close. Like, I, I wasn't maybe next, but I was next next, you know? So, but if so, I'm willing to go back, you know, two or three more spots. Uh, so <laughs> my, my final dislike um, was... Uh, in regards to the Cauliflower Alley Club, Adam, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Cauliflower Alley Club. I've heard of it. Cauliflower Alley Club is a wrestling historical society, does a lot of good, a lot of honoring, a lot of the greats in the world of professional wrestling, um, providing them help when they need it, uh, maybe in ways that WWE can't or doesn't or won't or what have you. Um, they usually do a big convention every year, uh, in Vegas, obviously last year they were unable to do so they did. So this year, and as part of that convention, they also had some wrestling going on, uh, specifically a group called pro wrestling unplugged. And one of the performers on this show was someone I have no problem in stating this because I am looking at his mugshot, uh, updated in March of 2000. Uh, that is on the sex offender websites of uh, one Chasen Rance, uh, who was on those shows because uh, he ran a school in Florida. I guess he has moved to Las Vegas, um, registered sex offender, um, positive and identification cannot be established unless fingerprint com- uh, confirmation is made. Uh, He has been on the sex offender registry for a very long time for traveling and transporting across state lines a minor. Um, And that does go back to 2011. So, again, maybe you feel uh, the statute of limitations is up on that. I don't. Um, Lewd, right off his his, uh, uh, criminal record, 
lewd, lascivious battery and sex with victim between the age of 12 and 15 years old. So no matter how much you good you do in the world of professional wrestling, if you let this piece of shit anywhere near anything that you're doing, guess what? You're now also a piece of shit. I'm sorry. These are the rules. When Chikara ran shows in Florida, the inkling that he was even at the venue and he was forcibly removed. It's very easy to do. It's one thing if he comes and hangs around and you don't want him around the minors that your shows attract. That's one thing. It's another thing when you put him on a show in a battle royal that has a 14-year-old in it. This is what he went to jail for. This is why he's on the sex offenders registry. No one should be dealing with this person, but still people do. And I know a lot of times people are like, oh, man, it's okay. Uh, you don't know what really happened. And he, a couple months ago, he gave like a podcast interview where he tried to like explain his side of the story. And Adam, I, I'm sure you'll be surprised by this. He somehow made the situation worse <laughs> in attempting to explain why it was okay for him to travel across state lines to have sex with a 15 year old that he met online. Hmm. I don't know. Cauliflower Alley, be better. Everyone in wrestling, be better. Look at this. But then there's people out there, it's like, well, if these folks that do so much good in the world of professional wrestling give Chase and Rance a platform because he probably gave them a ring for free. Listen, man, Kenny Omega got a bunch of shit when he used Chase and Rance's ring for some E3 thing that he did it uh, in Florida a couple years back, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know why people still deal with this person. I wish he would go away. I wish I wouldn't have to talk about him. I wouldn't. I wish I wouldn't have to look at his fucking smiling face and his jerk-off mugshot. But here we are. It's because people still keep booking this piece of shit. And no one can contact me and say, be careful what you say about this. I'm looking at his goddamn name and offenses on the sex offenders website. Yeah, black and white I'm, right there. I'm done. Yeah. All right, Joe. Terrible segue, but I did assign homework this week. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. You did. Yes. And, and uh, just like say, my... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Despite uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium's uh, attempts to sabotage my homework, or or so I should say the uh, the overinflated battery on that laptop's attempt to sabotage, uh, <laughs> there's still a way to watch it. Yes. Uh, so, unfortunately, there was an issue where the battery on the laptop exploded. And uh, Jerry had to scramble to get something new to replace it. They were able to stream most of the show Friday night, but not all of it. They were able to get the show up on demand in its entirety on Tuesday. Uh, AIW's Sunny Days. If you did not get a chance to watch the event, um, you can definitely check out our friend Kevin's website, MassLibrary.com, where he does a recap, run-through, write-up, etc. of the event. Yeah. And I think uh, Kevin's turning into a bit of an AIW mark based on that's his what these, writing. Yeah, yeah, that's what these things are supposed to be. Uh, you know, 
Um, up the good stuff and avoid bad stuff, then we here at uh, at at odds with wrestling have done our job. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going through this, and you're hopping yeah. in, right? It is your homework, so you have to. You have points. Uh, I'll be honest with you. There's some matches that I paid great. Uh, attention to there's some that I kind of had on in the background so I'm glad it is your homework and not mine okay (laughs) Uh, so I'll say this Um, my intent was to watch this live but we were out whatever and I came home and walked in the door as this as the feed crashed right yeah same I think I, I went to log in and like moments before that I get a message from or, or I get a tweet from Ed Cody saying like he's going to supply us with a new homework and I was like uh oh that doesn't sound good <laughs> <laughs> no I was getting messages from Thorne and Jerry as I was walking the door but as the feed did pick up I did see the last four matches live so like my experience with the show is a little bit different but I did end up watching the show top to bottom again uh opening contest was Filthy Tom Lawler taking on one half of the Bitcoin boys, Eric Ta- Malibu Eric Taylor, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Tom Lawler has added seemingly more Tracy Smothers-esque mannerisms uh, to everything that he does. I think that adds a little bit more lightheartedness to the beast and monster that Tom Lawler actually is. Um, Eric Taylor looked awesome in this match. They started the match hot exactly as they should have. Um, both Eric and Mikey, Mikey, unfortunately has a wrist injury. He'll be out for like another six weeks. Uh, but in their more recent AIW offerings have really stepped their game up and I'm very happy to see that. Um, the finish comes when Tom Lawler converts a kryptonite crunch, which I love that, uh, Thorne called it that. I think nobody calls it that except for like Nova and John Thorne. Uh, into a choke. Um, after the match, Tom Lawler uh, put uh, uh, Eric, like wrapped Eric Taylor up into like a ball so he couldn't get out and was going to like stick a funnel up his ass and maybe pour a beer down it. I don't know. A butt chug. A butt chug, <laughs> sure. Uh, until the Duke came in and made the save. And then uh, I don't know if you have any remarks before we move on to the next match. I'm just going to say, like, uh, I enjoy the Duke on commentary. You know, like, he was on commentary for the last show that we watched, and uh, as well as this. And I like Thorne on commentary as well. But, uh, you know, it, Thorne obviously only usually does the first match or two. But uh, that was one of the things that just kind of I want to mention here. Because there wasn't much in this match, because it was really just to set up the next match in my eyes. But I wanted to throw that out there. Right. So, obviously, this show saw a lot of changes and so forth. I forget who Tom Lawler's original opponent was supposed to be. Um, I highly recommend, especially the week before and the week after an AIW event, uh, go check out the AIW podcast. The card is going to change because it's very interesting to hear some of those behind-the-scenes stories of how and what and did and could and should have would have happened on this. Mm-hmm. Um Originally, they attempted to book Paul London on the show. Okay. Because uh, Paul London decided, one, he's like, I'm ready to take bookings again. And Thorne reached out to him and was like, hey, how about this Friday? And he's like, I got a movie role on Monday, and I'm afraid my face is going to get too fucked up at any time after Monday. <laughs> All right. And then the next match was supposed to be Miss Horner uh, versus Ethan Wright. Uh, Ethan Wright got some sort of weird rash. Uh, I got to see pictures of it, and the rash looks like he was bitten by zombies. Oh, shit. 
It doesn't look good. I hope Ethan Wright is okay. Uh, you know, hopefully he got like a nice topical cream and, or an ointment to take care of that. Yeah, rub some Tussin on it. That's right. You're out of Tussin, put some water in the bottle, shake it up, more Tussin. <laughs> uh, so instead, we get Tom Lawler issuing an open challenge. Mance Warner comes out. Um, and Mance and Tom Lawler instead have a fight. But before they do... Uh, they drink beers out of the Duke's golden boot, uh, which is the Haas Division trophy, which used to be painted gold uh, or, quote unquote, a golden boot. Um, <laughs> I'm the one who inst- instituted the Haas Division in AIW. It was my brainchild. I'm honored that the Duke has kept my tradition alive, defending the boot in Rio de Janeiro every other weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think it's time to get a new boot because when they poured the beer into it, the beer poured out of the front of the boot. Well, I mean, there's laces on boots, Joe. It's not a sealed boot. You no, want- it poured out of the toe. No, I'm pretty sure like it came like right at the bottom of the laces. I don't uh, know. You want the, like the boot see- looks like it's seen better days. The the Duke is supposed to be the six figure man. <laughs> Spring for a new boot, goddammit. You want those boots that you can go, like, fly fishing in, right? That are, like, water-sealed. No! It, like, it, needs to be, it needs to be, like, a cowboy boot, right? Uh-huh. Um, if you go look up a picture, uh, if you uh, Google Dusty Rhodes Bunkhouse Stampede, right? Uh-huh. You're going to see a picture of Dusty Rhodes with a comically oversized boot stuffed with money. Because <laughs> that was the prize for winning the Bunkhouse Stampede. Okay. That's the kind of boot I want the Duke to have. Okay, but like dipped in gold. But dipped Stop. in gold. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Maybe I can make that happen next time I go to AIW. I'll see what I I'll go to like a trophy shop and see if I get like a plastic one, kayfabe. Yeah. <laughs> the original boot was like a little tiny plastic trophy and it sucked. Yeah. Um, but again, it was short notice, you know? <laughs> Uh, anyway, this match was mostly punches and chops and strikes and kicks, and I loved it. These two beat the hell out of each other. Uh, Tom Lawler won with a kick to the face. This match yeah. was really good. I liked it. And uh, I, I ragged on uh, Mance Warner's entrance music last time we did the thing, Simple Man. And I, I loved how the Duke was just like, uh, oh, anybody want to go get a drink of water or something? You've got time, you know? <laughs> Mance's entrance has nothing on Chris Hero coming out to uh, Three Doors Down Kryptonite back in his indie days, where I don't think he would come through the curtain until the beginning of the second verse. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be super over to do that, because if you're not over, uh, the the crowd in the locker room is going to turn on you. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we have 9 to 5 of Lewis Linden and Jack Ruvick taking on the main show debuting members only, Malcolm Cambridge and Calvin G. Lewis. Uh, Mikey Montgomery, who did not introduce himself on commentary, shame, shame, and Dominic Garini were on commentary for this match. Dom, uh, along with Derek, were the primary trainers of these two guys. Um, You know, Dom kind of lays everything out that these two guys have gone through, uh, that being Malcolm and Calvin, to get to this point. Um, you know, the two years of training, the delays through COVID, the injuries that they sustained, uh, Dom and John go in a little bit more on the podcast. Like I said, I can't recommend listening to the podcast episode, uh, especially if you watch this show. It's kind of like almost like a director's commentary of this show, right? 
Um, that being said, this ends up being a very basic match. Lewis Linden is and has always been one of those like guys that you test with. Um, and this is lofty praise for Lewis and whatever your you know opinions of Lewis as an in-ring competitor are. He is and has been for a very long time in the AIW, like the Sean Waltman of AIW. Back in the day, um, you know, they would always say with the click days, if you can't have a good match with the kid, Sean Waltman, then you can't have a good match. If you can't have a good match with Lewis Linden, then you probably can't have a good match. For two guys having their second match ever in front of a huge crowd that was completely behind them, I thought this match was perfectly fine. Nobody tried anything crazy. The crazy stuff that they tried, absolutely, I'm sure they practice over and over and over again, peeling back the curtain. Um, I have a million ideas of how you could program these two guys against each other to give uh, members only much, much more in-ring time practice against two very competent professionals on the independent level. Most importantly, shout out Malcolm Cambridge. Uh, I want that Rocky Horror Picture Show hoodie that you were wearing um, Mm -hmm. to the ring as part of your gear. I don't know if it absolutely fits your gimmick, but hey, I want that. That's really cool. (laughs) I would need like three of them to sew together. I think you're, I think I'm a little bit bigger than you just because, you know, fat old white men are, you know, (laughs) Again, I'd assume he's probably like in his early to mid 20s. So I probably double the size of him. (laughs) Double the age, double the size. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, In defense of Dom on commentary, uh, at least me watching it on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium after the fact, there was a lot of editing where it was like, okay, the one match ends and now we're very quickly starting the next match versus when you watch it live, you know, there's a lot of time where like the referees are changing out and the, the announcers standing in the ring kind of waiting for his cue. And I feel like a lot of those times is when you would have the commentary change and they might've introduced themselves during that time. And it just didn't make the cut, you know, of the editing. I um, got you. But also with that being said, I I've complimented before nine to five. I do dig the gimmick, especially the whole thing where they're trying to tell wrestlers to quit the wrestling dream and get a real job, get a day job. And I think that's a great fit. If you are debuting new wrestlers, you're debuting uh, students, you know, because who better to try to lecture to get out of the wrestling business than people who are just trying to start it, you know? So I think that's a great fit. Yep. Uh, next up we had, uh, the debuting, uh, and if you listen to the, uh, AIW podcast again, plug, plug, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I get mentioned in the shout outs next week, uh, debuting as an in-ring competitor, Anthony Green, uh, taking on the possibly leaving for greener pastures, Lee Moriarty. Um, I've seen Anthony Green before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad he's toned down, uh, on the shtick as much because he's a professional wrestler and I think the shtick that he used to do he was like the retrosexual and he'd have like the platinum honeys with them it'd just be like all these gimmicks on top of gimmicks on top of gimmicks and I get it sometimes you need that sort of thing but mm. I think a lot of people weren't able to look past that uh to how really good he was and I thought he was really good in this match um I think Anthony Green and whatever Kurt Stallion's name is ended up on the uh, Impact Zone dark tapings for AEW this past weekend as well. So hopefully things turn around for him. Um, but like I said, this match was really good. Um, I did feel bad at one point. You really couldn't hear it on comment on the on the release, but I think some fan made some sort of derogatory comment 
uh, toward Anthony Green about being fired by the World Wrestling Entertainment. And you could tell that it might have thrown him for a bit. Mm. Um, And I can only hope that in the next week, that's the only time that someone says something to a competitor that doesn't throw them off their game. Mm. Um, But I really like this match. Lee Moriarty is awesome. And he's going to be one of those guys that once he gets on national TV, uh, like a Daniel Garcia, like a Dante Martin, uh, like uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, like any of those guys that AEW has kind of been pushing on the come up. Once Lee Moriarty gets on national TV and can show people what he could do, uh, the sky's the limit for that kid. Yeah, I agree. Great match. And once again, to put over commentary, I, I liked the fact that they leaned on the fact that these guys are not really going in opposite directions, but they're experiencing different, you know, highs and lows. You know how they they mentioned yeah. that Green was, you know, released unjustifiably by NXT while Lee Moriarty's on his way up to the big time. And it's like, will we ever see Moriarty again? You know, can he work more dates or or is this our go our goodbye show to him? And, you know, what how many times are we going to see Green in the future? Is, is he going to be around? And I think a lot of those questions and that that discussion was enjoyable. Right, and I'll uh, I'll say uh, any non-Friday AIW show, I'm sure you'll see uh, Lee Moriarty on. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Rhino, uh, the man beast himself, ECW legend, uh, taking on a legend in his own right, and that would be uh, the blue-collar brawler Kaplan. Um, this is, you know, what has kind of become one of those... Um, standard, and I don't say that in a negative way, I say that in as positive a way as possible, plunder brawls in AIW, um, Rhino, I thought, for someone who's been wrestling now for the better part of 22 years, maybe longer, I thought looked great here, uh, I'm sad that Kaplan changed the way that he does his split-legged moonsault, so he doesn't, like, murder himself and his opponent that it actually looks decent now <laughs> um i think this was the first match that duke and sunny were on commentary together yes and as the rest of the show progresses uh i'm giving the mvp of definitely aiw but possibly all professional wrestling to the duke because he does such a good job and I don't want to say handling in some sort of possibly negative connotation, but he does such a good job at kind of leading Sonny through who these guys are, why these guys are doing these things in a way that didn't feel forced. Yeah. Um, and by him, the Duke doing that, that was also helping Sonny kind of pair back on her barrier of people a little bit, but also <laughs> maybe for a new viewer, the Duke is also talking to you. Um, you know, you mentioned before, and I think the last time that we did an AIW show, we talked about how good Thorne and Duke were as a commentary team. Yeah. And, you know, Duke's great, man. Um, you know, he's uh, maybe the, the most underrated part of a lot of AIW's success over the last, like, five years. You know, I don't think a lot of people <laughs> give him credit because he's such a good heel. Um, most notably on this, uh, it, during this match when they're pulling out the doors. And I know in the previous show they were talking about, well, this is that type of door and that is that type of door. There was one that they brought out. The Duke uh, said it was a crack house door. And I thought that was a great line. <laughs> uh, you mentioned, you know, the Duke explaining things to Sonny and by proxy explaining it to uh, a potential new viewer. 
when uh, everybody knows who Rhino is, if you're a casual wrestling fan. So obviously Sonny knows who Rhino is, you know, just from, you know, being in the business. But when he's explaining like Kaplan is the guy that you can dare to like jump off of a roof and he'll do it. And like that, she instantly got it. But if you've never seen Kaplan before, that does summarize him pretty well, you know? Right. But I will say this was the match that when it was announced, I was most excited about. And I don't know if Kaplan didn't want to get any receipts from Rhino, but this match, like 80% of it was pretty underwhelming and pretty soft. Uh, well, I do. I, I, I'll say this. Uh, I did notice there was a lot of daylight on a lot of Rhino's strikes during the course of the match. Yeah. And I do know, again, listening from the podcast this week, that maybe Kaplan had some jitters going into this match because growing up, Rhino was one of his favorite wrestlers. When him and his friends as children would play wrestler, he would be Rhino. Nice. I mean, but that's the thing. If Rhino's, you know, not giving it to you snug, you don't want to be the one to push the issue. (laughs) You're just going to be like, all right, uh, this is the kind of match we're going to have because you don't want to be the first one to lay one in there uh, because you don't want to get it back. But uh, it it did. I mean, we get more. Uh, much more violent stuff as we go on through the night. So I wasn't as uh, upset that this didn't give me what I had expected. But, uh, you know, like I said, we make up for it as we go along. Uh, Next up, we have Cheech and Colin Delaney uh, to Infinity and Beyond, taking on 40 acres of PB Smooth and Jocelyn Navarro. Uh, I extolled their virtues, Jocelyn specifically and PB on the last show. Uh, when they had that match against uh, Brian Carson and uh, whatever, something Carrington the third, Chris Carrington the Kurt, I forget what his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hoping for more of the same, and we did get it. Um, I really love this match. If 9 to 5, Lewis Lynn and Jack Reville are kind of like your entry level tag team for someone on the come up, your next test to see if you're ready to go to that next level is Cheech and Colin. Um, I don't think Cheech and Colin should have won this match. I think this should have been Jocelyn getting a decisive victory. Um, but maybe they'll have a rematch and maybe she'll get that jo- that decisive victory. I really like this match. I thought all four uh, competitors shined. Absolutely. And I continue, uh, again, I'm a broken record, but the fact that PB Smooth is not presented as the heavy from that group, that it's all Jocelyn, that the hot tag to the bruiser that's going to come in and clean house is Jocelyn. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just an awesome dynamic. And she doesn't like upset or it's not like they're doing it in a ha ha kind of way. They tag her in and she beats the fuck out of people, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, it's good to see uh, a female kind of positioned in that way, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have the four-way flippy-do match. Gringo Loco, M-Dog 20, Chase Oliver, and the debuting Alex Zane uh, in this. I'm not a huge flippy-do guy. If, uh, I like all wrestling, but if I was to put them in order, I would say flippy-do is my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have, like, four of the best guys here doing it. Uh, I thought this match was really good. Um, you know, a little, um, uh, little slow start out of the stumbling blocks, but I completely understand. Um, Alex Zane gets pinned by Chase Oliver, who, you know, we talked about it last time. They mentioned on commentary uh, is back uh, in unbelievable shape. And if he can stay healthy, he ain't going to be on the Indies much longer. This is the match that I said, Joe, that I said there was a match that I didn't really pay attention to. Unfortunately, it was this one. Oh, 
Yeah. But I came back hot and heavy for the next one. All right. So next up, uh, we have Derek Director with Ziggy Heim taking on Matt Justice with uh, Bill Alfonso in his corner. Um, This match is the crazy brawl that we thought it was going to be. Derek gets busted open, and I say busted open. He had a cut from the previous show on his nose reopen. And uh, I don't want Derek to become like an Axel Rotten Balls Mahoney level bleeder. I think next show, uh, he should take it a little bit more easy so he can get pigeoned as the guy who bleeds all the time. Uh, but this was another crazy plunder brawl. I liked it very much. And I'll say this. Um, if you remember from last time, and I think it was Matt Justice versus Kaplan, right? Mm-hmm. Where Alfonso was like way crazy all over the place involved in the match like almost the entire time. And this time he wasn't as much. He was involved, but wasn't as much. I feel as though that was done intentionally because they're building up to a bigger thing with Ziggy and Bill Alfonso. And they didn't want to give it all away here. I don't have any inside knowledge on that one. That's just the way that I took it. If you're going to have Bill Alfonso be this guy who interferes all the time on behalf of Matt Justice in an anything goes match. And here's another anything goes match. And he doesn't do it as much. We're building to something, and I'm all here for it. Yeah, I, I could see Alfonso versus Ziggy. That'd be interesting. Uh, as long as Ziggy just beats the tar out of him, you know, that'd be cool. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Matthew Justice. And again, I'm relatively new to AIW. Like, uh, I won't kayfabe it and just say that I'm the expert that I, I joke and say I am. So, you know, when I see guys like Matt Justice or Josh Bishop, like, they're the two guys that you're just, holy shit, they're awesome. Yeah. And Matthew Justice just... And obviously credit words due to Dillinger, you know, beating the fuck out of each other. Those chair shots, the unprotected chair shots, say what you will about them and their place in 2021. But when you fucking take them like a man like that, it's still impressive. Like, I, I know it's stupid, but it's impressive as all hell. I mean, it started off with the the door shots, but it did eventually go to the chair shots. Uh, like, and the fact that, like, you know, they're just bleeding all over the place out into the crowd you know, it's not what you expect to see in 2021, but when you do and it's done well, it's impressive. And uh, I really liked when Dillinger threw Ziggy out into the crowd on top of Justice. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was an awesome spot as well. That's That's been their shtick for a little while now, about a year or so. Whenever they pop up, they do that where Derek kind of uses Ziggy as, uh, I don't want to say a battering ram, but as like a blunt object, as a weapon. A projectile. Uh, throwing her out into the crowd, onto the opponents, and so forth. Yeah. But yeah, really fun match. I feel like that was the plunder that I was hoping for with Rhino and Kaplan. But again, I'm glad I got it there. For sure. Uh, Now main event time uh, as PME, the Philly Marino experience, uh, uh, take on the Rip City shooters of Joshua Bishop, the current reigning and defending absolute and intense champions and the winner of the Chandler Biggins Memorial Cup, and Mr. IWTV himself, the man that Jerry Equinox fears, Wes Barkley. (laughs) Um, I felt bad for PME coming into this match because I think everyone in the building and everyone watching at home probably felt like it was a foregone conclusion that the Rip City Shooters were winning. Okay. Why is that? 
Go I ahead. just want to know why, why is that? Just because, again, I'm not as attached to the, the feeling of the audience or like the vibe that's going on. Is it just that they felt that the Rip City Shooters were on such a roll or was it kind of telegraphed with the storyline? Or I think all of the above. Okay. Um, I don't think it would have made sense at that point. Um, you know, uh, Wes and Josh had this sort of momentum. And at this point in the year for AIW storytelling, uh, I assume, and again, I have no inside information, um, that it would have made more sense at this point for Josh and Wes to win to kind of build that storyline of like, well, now they have all the gold in AIW. They're seemingly unstoppable. Who can stop them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if Josh and Wes won, obviously at that point, Josh has to take the pin or Wes has to take the pin because um, Josh really can't take the pin because he has the two singles titles. And, you know, you you, you set like an, a uh, history precedent that Josh now is the first person in AIW history to hold all the titles at once. Um, I know Duke was saying on Twitter that no one's coming for his boot. And I know Josh <laughs> also tweeted at Shayna Baszler saying that he's coming for her next because in AIW canon, nope. uh, she was the what? Nope, 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 nope. It has been already <laughs> documented that Shayna <laughs> lost that belt to Alexa. Well, that's fake. Uh, I think those are all non-title matches. Um, but uh, Josh tweeted at Shayna, and Shayna tweeted back and said, anytime you're ready, kid. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, but I like this match. I just felt bad. Uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, both in the, like, I'm not going to say, like, that PME had, like, boo-boo faces on or anything. They came out. Um, you know, they got the crowd into it. They did their whole shtick. I think they did their shtick great. It's just, I think it was a foregone conclusion that Josh and Wes were winning. Yeah. And they're now the the two chaps with all the straps. Yes. <laughs> I tried to find a picture of Diesel and Shawn Michaels where they had all four of them. The best I could do was three. Mm-hmm. Disappointing. But, uh, it's, again, impressive. Uh, mini Sid Justice. Uh, you know, look there with all the belts is just a, a very impressive thing. And then, you know, Wes Barkley's there too. <laughs> but overall, you know, what would you say about the show in its entirety? Maybe versus our last AIW show that we watched. Uh, I like this one better. I thought this one flowed a little bit better. Um, I thought the overall match quality was better. Um, not to say that there were like bad matches, but I think there was more good on this one mm-hmm. um than the previous show but you know always um yeah check out aiw i don't think the next couple shows are live streams just because of uh issues with the buildings and so forth where they are you know everyone always like oh how come every show in independent wrestling isn't live streamed well mm-hmm. maybe when you run a show in like a Masonic temple that's run by old people that don't know what Wi-Fi is. <laughs> you know, it's difficult to run a show on the internet in the middle of nowhere where there is no internet, you know? Yeah. Um, and as you saw, as Jerry tried to bring his setup to uh, the Odeon, and I really think there's a wiring issue at the Odeon. I swear to God, there's gotta be. Because wasn't there like some sort of technical issues where like some other weird music was bleeding in during the course of the show or some shit? There was a lot, I mean, from the what I watched, there was a lot of echo. Like, it just, yeah. you know, something was going on with the sound, but. I definitely think there's a wiring issue that we need to look into, you know? 
I don't know. I've I've been in that building. It everything looks like it's up to code. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> that seems outdated in that construction. It looks like a top-notch building. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm not necessarily always going to assign AIW. I don't want to become typecast. And my next homework when I get to it is set in stone. And I feel like it's a little bit of a return to normalcy from an Adam pick. But uh, we'll get there when we get there. But uh, AIW, whether you assign it or I do, there I can definitely see there being more of it in our future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I'm penciling in um, for whenever it is that you assign the next thing of uh, homework, the uh, AI, the the, uh, the Nightmare Family uh, showcase thing or whatever. Uh, no, again, that's been sitting in the the queue for a while, but I'm not in a hurry to get to it. You know, I feel like that's evergreen. You know, we can watch that when it's six months old, when it's eight months old. Uh, It's there if I'm desperate, but uh, I have other things, you know, other things are written down. Right. Speaking of things being written down, Joe, you have 9,000 things you told me as my homework this week. Well, uh, someone, you, yelled at me for assigning entire Chikara events. Yes. And the next couple of Chikara events are on the road to... Uh, King of Trios, which we will be watching night three in its entirety when I get my chance to assign the next homework. Mm. So this time I'm just giving a bunch of piecemeal things, okay? Yeah. And I'll include the links and the timestamps and everything else just like I did to Adam here, okay? Mm. So uh, from the Give Em The Axe show from Everett, Maryland, um, what we'll be watching is the shard taking on the mysterious and handsome stranger. Cause I know you like the mysterious and handsome stranger. I, I he's mysterious and handsome and the stranger, uh, the best. Right. Um, and the main event of that show is the young bucks defending the campeonatus de Parejas against the throwbacks of Dasher Hatfield and Mr. Touchdown. Okay. Um, um you got me hooked so far. Okay. So you're talking maybe total match time there is about a half hour. Perfect. Maybe. Then uh, there's an event center that happens in between these shows that sets up two very important plot points for the remainder of the season. Um, Shout out to Kevin Ford, uh, Adam's favorite independent wrestling commentator, for Mm -hmm. assisting me in grabbing some of these items. About time Uh, you did something around here. (laughs) Next up is the first Chikara show from the first Energy Stadium in Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, Key match on here is the Chikara debuts of Sydney Bacabella and the Devastation Corporation. I think this segment, uh, beginning to end, is about five minutes. All right. Uh, Next up, we have Ring of Wax from Indianapolis, Indiana. Again, it's another Mysterious and Handsome Stranger match taking on Lancelot Bravado. Uh, This is peak Mysterious and Handsome Stranger shenanigans. And then the main event you'll be watching, which is Mr. Touchdown taking on ACH for the Young Lions Cup. I Uh, think they're... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm following along in the email you sent me, and I don't know if you have that in front of you, but... Uh, I think there was a major typo in this uh, Lancelot bravado thing. You oh, have that a, was uh, uh, that'll be fixed when it goes up on the website. Yeah, that you have somebody other than uh, the mysterious and handsome stranger written down there, and I, I I vaguely know that name, but it's definitely not the mysterious and handsome stranger. I think that was a spell check error. Yeah. <laughs> when I type 
mysterious and handsome stranger into my Gmail, it auto-corrects to something else. <laughs> okay. Uh, next up uh, is the first King of Trios report, which is just a video of all the teams that are in King of Trios that year. That's about two minutes. Right. And a throwdown lowdown. Um, Chikara would do a very big deal about putting up like a different video uh, on their uh, YouTube channel Monday through Friday, just so that there was constantly contact content. Uh, Throwdown Lowdown was just essentially like, hey, here's a person, here's a big move that they do, and we're going to show you a bunch of times of them doing that big move. So you're familiar with this person and their big move. Um, this Mr. Touchdown, no other reasons I'm throwing this in here for Adam to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just based on your email here, there's five different links listed for the Mr. Touchdown. Is there five oh, different throwdowns see, or is there? No, no, no. Uh, so uh, those other five videos are the videos that you're going to need to. Uh, I just threw them in there. Uh, you're going to have to watch those before. Like those are like the additional content before King of Trios Night 3. Okay. Just making sure that they they are not just accidentally put in there. Nope. Those are just like the, those are like the, um, like the event center promos yep. that would be on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. That but makes again, sense. that's me. I kept them in there for me. I should have taken them out for the email for you. That's my bad. I apologize for causing any confusion. Well, so you say you were going to take them out. Am I supposed to watch those? Or no, they- you're, no. Those four, after the, the, the Mr. Touchdown Throwdown Lowdown, those four are going to be watched before King of Trios Night 3 in three weeks. Okay. Fair enough. Makes sense. All right, that that seems very reasonable. Don't you think this is a lot better? Don't you feel like more of a curator of the history of Chikara when you pick and choose the stuff that you know I'll like as opposed to the stuff that I'm going to suffer through? Uh, well, that's the thing. A lot of times there, there were certain – so I had to get a feel, you know, <laughs> obviously as you're like, oh, I don't like all this stuff with these goddamn ants, you know? Yeah, those, so, whatever happened to any of those guys. <laughs> well, there's an event – There's a the, the event center that you have there is going to explain some of that, right? <laughs> okay. And uh, there's another change that happens with the trios that is also explained to that event center. It was just m- making sure, like the stuff that I know you're gonna like, you're gonna you're gonna watch the better matches, quote unquote. You're gonna watch, and then yeah. the important storyline beats that may mean nothing, like on the shows that happen now, but are gonna have bigger payoffs come like October, November shows. Yeah, I need to I need to know the Chikara lore. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, cool. I, I like it. It's all pretty well spelled out that even I can understand it, so the listeners should be able to participate very well. And like I said, this will all be included in the uh, link with the show notes for every episode that goes up um, on the uh, longboxheroes.com because I'm too cheap to buy another URL redirect. Uh, but, you know, you can find all these things very easily. Also, as we record, uh, Dark Side of the Ring has returned. And the plane ride from hell episode is airing. And uh, I feel a lot of people are being painted in a very positive light out of this. Uh, Sight unseen, not looking at Twitter, I'm sure. Everyone's coming off very well in their participation in the plane ride from hell. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that as soon as we're done here. And uh, we'll we'll talk about that next week. Right. And I think as that season comes back, just like we've done in previous times, we'll be discussing uh, Dark Side of the Ring here on the show. Uh, I mentioned the show notes, of course. Um, it's too late to sign up for the NFL pigskin pickums, you know, but people have won missing weeks one and two. I yeah. don't know. You can go on a hell of a run. You know, you can, you can, use, 
Right. right. I was going to say, you certainly can, and it's happened before. Um, you know, there's a lot of non-football types in there. There's currently a six-way tie for first place. <laughs> um, and I know I mentioned uh, Joey Shoots, uh, Kayfabe Collectibles. His is out there. You could find it. I think I'm in first place in his. Just, oh. to, give you, just to give you an idea. Um <laughs> of how talent. many people and what kind of people signed up for his and again i'm not disparaging any of them <laughs> i'm just saying in the uh long box heroes at odds with wrestling shared one uh i'm currently in 22nd place mm. and in the kayfabe picks one i'm in first place oh where am i do you have the the rankings by any chance for the long box heroes one i'm just curious where i'm at i usually don't look until a couple weeks in oh okay and again, I feel bad. Remind me what's your name again? Azrael Fan One. <laughs> what about me? What about Vansky? It's Vansky. Oh, Vansky, all caps. That's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're you are in a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven way tie for fifteenth. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> well, it's like it's a group of six people that are tied for first. It's okay. another group of six people or seven people that are tied for seventh and then it's the group that's tied for 15th and then the group that's tied for 22nd i'm in the group that's tied for 22nd oh so it's really just like there's four groupings i'm in like third place let's just yeah. call it third place <laughs> i will but say this will... your name is at the top of the third place rankings if that makes nice. sense. I, I was really happy. I, I did sign in after the one o'clock games after I just said I don't check, but I, I signed in just because I was paranoid that I didn't make my picks. Yeah. And it was nice that I was on the first page and I had to scroll to the second page to find Todd. That made me happy. <laughs> um, and, and as far as folks, if you do have a pick'em league in ESPN, if you're in it, you can still join another league such as the long box heroes one, and it will move your picks from in your score from the first week over. Yeah. So as long as you're in a pick'em league, you're not started from scratch if you join our league. You know, so like if I was to join the Joey Shoots League, it would bring over my progress. I wouldn't be starting down a week and vice versa. So come aboard if you have the if you have the picks. Exactly. If you're already doing it with someone else, uh Adam makes a great point. Come over and join us. It's bliss. Yeah. Not yeah. Alexa, but no, not very few things can be. And and you don't have to pick again. It just you know, one set of picks does all of it. Right. Uh, T public store, tinyurl.com slash longbox heroes. That's the mothership of the soon to be named network. Uh, you can get designs inspired by this show, uh, longbox heroes, longbox heroes after dark, final wrestling place, and hit my music, uh, over at our T public store. And you can get those designs and anything from cell phone cases to throw pillows to notebooks and everything in between. Uh, their 35% sale is next week. So if you're looking for any of that stuff, wait a week. Uh, be patient, be strong, be proud uh, to be at odds with wrestling fan. Uh, you could also help out the show by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through link, which is in these same show notes, where you're going to find the information for the pigskin pickums, where you're going to find the information for the show homework this week. Um, does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week. We're not going to do a whole bunch of them, uh, but somebody purchased B Bald Smooth Plus Daily Moisturizer. <laughs> nice. Well, man, got to moisturize, I guess. I guess if you got to be bald, you make sure you got to have a shiny head, I guess. I don't know. 
<laughs> I guess so. Uh, but thanks to anyone and everyone who makes any purchases through the Amazon click-through, uh, whether it be now, last week, last month, or whenever. And also, of course, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, independentwrestling.tv. Use the promo code at odds. You don't get anything free but new subscribers. Let's Jerry know that we sent you to him. Uh, there is a bunch of independent wrestling this weekend. The only thing that's streaming live is uh, one of those Sean Henderson Presents shows. Um, there's a big Beyond show that I think is a WWR plus Beyond co-promoted event, uh, some sort of Masha Slamovich thing that's advertised on the beach. I think they're up to an even 30 matches announced at this point. <laughs> um, but um, it's not there live, but you can certainly check it out. Uh, Saturday is the debut of the Camp Leapfrog event that happened this past weekend. And uh, our friend, our good pal, the boar, was involved in their trail mixer, uh, whatever their version of a Royal Rumble is. Uh, so definitely check that out to see how the boar did. I'm sure he won, uh, and he's just course. not telling me. I mean, he probably has th- threw out more people in that battle royal than, like, Diesel and Kane combined, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But, all right, check that out. And uh, while I'm waiting to check that out, I'll probably listen to some other podcast, Joe. Oh, yeah? There's yeah. other podcasts out there? Yeah, uh, there's a couple. Uh, they don't usually let anybody do a podcast, but these people filled out the proper forms and they were allowed to do one. And uh, those other podcasts are Longbox Heroes, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music. Uh, Hit My Music has Dan Champion on this week. I go listen to that if you probably a solid half hour of him talking about Bruce Springsteen, but I'll listen. Uh, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam, Hellions Talks, IWTV guide and uh I saved these two for last just again because I I have to final wrestling place where if you listen to this upcoming episode I'm sure you'll hear Tim talk about how he dropped the ball on the next podcast I'm going to mention and that is the A show and again my appearance along with Tim and Brett drops this Monday vote for Adam listen make an informed decision and then maybe vote for Adam or or vote for Adam and then contemplate whether or not you made the right decision. Both are acceptable strategies. <laughs> and keep in mind, you can, once your vote is cast, you can't, like, change your vote. Yeah, yeah. Unless you have other Twitter accounts. Right. You <laughs> yeah. can have up to six on your phone. Not that I'm aware of this right now. <laughs> Interesting. So that's well, it for this uh, main part of the show, huh? Yeah, I think we'll just go over to weekly purchases, Joe. Yep. Absolutely. Now, Joe, uh, last couple of weeks, maybe even months, I feel like I've been doing a lot of damage on weekly purchases. That's true. I did buy a decent amount of stuff, but I feel like at least by the $100 Vansky's standards, I didn't really spend a lot of money. Um, I got a lot of small things. And by small things, I mean like retail price figures. Uh, okay. I'll bang a couple of them out real quick and then I'll send it over to you. Um on ringside this week, they had the, the extreme rules sale and I could have bought these figures if I had the patience and I would have found them on a doll hunt, but I was just like, eh, I'll just get them right now. Uh, I got the elite Santos Escobar figure. Okay. And the elite Kushida figure and two figures that I did want. The Kushida figure is a must, must, must buy. It's a, it's a great figure. Brett talked about it on, we need wrestling last week. 
my only thing is, in typical ringside fashion, they shoved two figures into a one-figure box, and the oh. Kushida figure is pretty much... I mean, it's not destroyed, but it's not up to my OCD standards. So I have to go through the rigmarole of contacting ringside and be like, yo, give me a shipping label. I'm sending this back to you. Send me another one. Yeah. So, so that'll be my thing. So I, I really just placed the order because I really wanted Kushida. And I didn't want to wait like another month until it was in the wild. So I threw in the Santos so I didn't feel like I was wasting an order. Uh, and then, of course, the Kushida one I'm, I'm going to have to send back. So uh but also, they are really cool figures. But did you get anything, Joe? Uh, so I mentioned last week uh, I had purchased a wind screen for my microphone. I hope it sounds good. <laughs> it does sound very uh, windless. All right. <laughs> so um, Amazon, I'm not sure if you've noticed, like things have been shipping like real late from Amazon lately. I have an ultimate figure that says it's going to ship uh, August of next year. <laughs> okay. No, no, I mean, it's like you make your order and it says like, oh, you order on a Monday and it says it'll be there on a Wednesday. And then you get the notification that it'll be there on a Thursday. Then you get the notification that it'll be there on a Sunday. I then, you get the then you get the notification on Monday that it appears as though your, wind your, your pop filter, your windscreen has been lost in shipping. Here's a refund. And then you're like, oh, shit, it didn't come in. I really need it. Uh, so I'm going to order another one. And then the original one shows up on Tuesday. <laughs> um, and then we had to get a new, and this was a, uh, a purchase that my wife made where I got a new litter box for the cats. And oh. that was another one where the shipping date just kept moving and moving and moving and moving. And then it just finally showed up yesterday after like she ordered it like two weeks ago off like normal Amazon prime. Mm. Um, but when I ordered my uh, pop filter windscreen thing, the second one, after I was notified on Monday, uh, the mouse that I have on my computer shit the bed. Uh, I'm an old school, you know, uh, and it's not even like, a, you know, I, I, I have a desktop computer for, you know, uh, the things I do on a daily basis that I got a desktop computer for my work stuff, my super secret science job, right? Yeah. So I got two mouses, mice, mice, whatever, right next to each other. And the one for the home PC shit the bed. I don't have any extra ones laying around because one went to my kid for his thing and I couldn't mm. take it from him. So I ordered a new one. And when I ordered the new mouse, they're like, oh, we have mouse pads here. And I lamented a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, how come mouse pads are so goddamn expensive? And they had them as an add on one. that was like three bucks. So I'm like, yeah. perfect. I'll order that. So like I said, I ordered a new mouse, a mouse pad, and a second windscreen. And then like I said, Tuesday, the second one, uh, the, the first one came. The stuff that I ordered on Monday was supposed to show up on Wednesday. And there were no shipping notifications. It never arrived on Wednesday. I went, I checked the tracking, and it said it was still sitting in Allentown. And then it just showed up with no confirmation, no delivery on Thursday. So Amazon's like gotten real shitty with their delivery lately. I'd like three different instances of just like shipping being real fucked up. But I got a new mouse. I got a mouse pad. I got my windscreen and I got an extra one that I think I'm going to give to Todd. I'm going to stuff it with uh, gummy bears and give it to him. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't do a lot of purchasing from Amazon, um, but like I obviously do a lot of online purchases, whether it be from uh, Edward Bay or otherwise. 
and I feel like a lot of purchases have done the whole time travel thing where they they'll be accepted in like Texas and then there'll be no updates and then it'll be out for delivery in Scranton, you know? Yeah. So I might not just be Amazon. It might be just the post office or whatever in general. Yeah, I know. I think Brett posted one. I don't know if it was an Amazon item. I'm guessing it was a ringside where it shipped from Jersey to Wilkes-Barre. Then it shipped back to Jersey the next day. <laughs> They probably took a look at the box and were like, oh, it's not quite yet crushed enough. We have to send it back to the factory to damage it some more before we send it back to Brett. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of other things I bought uh, and speaking of other elites, for whatever reason, I decided that I'm going to buy the first time in the line Mattel elites of some of my favorite wrestlers that are still there uh, in the WWE. And these are none of these are expensive figures. These are figures that you can get on eBay for 20 to 30 bucks, but you know, I just wanted something. So, uh, with the reemergence of the demon fiend after SmackDown this past week, I went and bought elite 41, which is a demon Finn Balor. It's actually the first Finn Balor, uh, elites and it was in a demon form. So I'm like, Oh, I don't have any, anything of that era. So I'll grab that. And actually before we went on the air in the major pod Facebook group, I got the Elite 43 Samoa Joe figure, which is the first Samoa Joe. Um, and just still on my checklist of things I need to get, I want to get the first Kevin Owens and the first Sami Zayn. Those are the other two of the four that I, I set out to get at the beginning of the week. Awesome. All right. Um, and then one last thing that I did buy, speaking of the Major Pod group before uh, I send it back over to you. Uh, every once in a while, I say this, it's the toy uh, business, so not the toy opportunity. <laughs> or, Jesus, I screwed that up. Uh, the toy business, not the toy friendship, because this is an opportunity. Uh, I had messaged you in the group chat about somebody selling some figs in the major pod group, specifically a Batman Flashpoint figure. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is a $200 figure, and the guy wanted 35 ship. You remember that? Yes. So obviously I had missed out on claiming that by like a minute, uh, but I was following the, 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 whatever the posting and he was putting up a bunch of other stuff at crazy prices and it was nothing that I wanted for myself, but I kind of sensed the, the, the flipping opportunities. And uh, so I grabbed a couple things. Uh, the first one you'll shake your head at, but I bought the TNT ringside exclusive championship Cody figure. Oh, which is like a $40 figure on ringside. Uh, he was selling it for $20 shipped. So I'm like, that's a coupon in the group right there. I get that in my hands. I could trade that for a lot of stuff. Uh, so again, that was just a, a trade chip and, and getting it for basically half price, less than half price. If you don't count shipping, you know, uh, was a good opportunity. And he also sold, if you remember the, uh, the major crate that came with the micro brawlers. Yeah. There, there was a macho man micro brawler. That was a, like a major pod version. Uh, I got that from this guy for uh, 10 bucks and that sells all day on eBay for 50. Oh, look at you. Yeah. And he sold me the major pod ref for $5 and that sells on eBay for like 25. So as soon as those uh, micro brawlers come in, they're going right to my friend Edward uh, and uh, they'll be finding new homes. But uh, just figured that they were purchases and they're wrestling related. So I had to mention them there. But uh, do you have anything else? No, nope, that was it. Oh, um, that's it. 
Yeah, that's all the purchases I had this week. Um, you know, more uh, you know, things for me, but there were necessities for oh, me. Yeah. Uh, I I often wonder now the the mouse that you bought, is it one of them that has a little rubber ball on the bottom that you have to like blow the dust out of every once in a while or is it an optical mouse? It's an optical mouse. Oh, okay. Finally graduated, but uh, mm-hmm. I do have two quick stories uh, and then a question, as long as we're in the Toy Boy section. But um, I know you might have seen that I posted in the Major Pod group that I did, in fact, get sent by Entertainment Earth the Ultimate Series 3 figures that I ordered. Yes. Yeah, so they did send me the Finn Balor and they sent me the Triple H. Uh, I was shocked that I was able to get them because they are such expensive figures. Uh, When they came in, I was kind of uh, made more sense as to why they were able to find these because clearly these were underneath a pallet somewhere in their warehouse. Gotcha. (laughs) The uh, Triple H was just mangled. Like, and that's not me being OCD. It was, was, it's in bad shape. Uh, The Finn Balor was actually in really nice shape and it, all things being considered, the Balor's the one I wanted. Um, So like, I'm at the point right now, do I just go ahead and sell the Triple H and lots of people in the major group have already asked me for it. Uh, or do I keep it with my Ultimates, my burgeoning Ultimates collection, just knowing that I'll never replace it? Because I'm not spending no $200 on a Triple H Ultimate. He's not a guy that I care about. But just having a nice, comp- more complete shelf, you know, having the, the Triple H up there. Uh, what do you think I should do? Should I just sell it or just be happy that I got it for like, you know, 30 bucks and be done with it? Uh, if it is currently 200 bucks elsewhere and showing no signs of going down, mm. um, I'd hold on to the one you have a shape that it's in be damned, you know? Yeah. I've had people contact me that they pay me a hundred bucks as is, you know? So that's why I'm like, uh, maybe I'll hold on to it for a little bit, you know? Well, you know, I would still kind of, you know, table those offers but kind of look to see out there because you know you're saying maybe you wouldn't pay two hundred dollars for one but maybe if someone's gonna pay a hundred for this one and you then end up only having to pay a hundred for out of pocket you know yeah i i have kind of that strategy and my my next thing i'm gonna talk about but i still i wouldn't even pay a hundred for it honestly it was the funny thing is it was the two of them was like $77 after tax. And then I actually called customer service of entertainment earth. Cause they have a mint condition guarantee. That's one of the reasons why I like dealing with them. And this obviously wasn't in mint condition. So they credited me back. They actually said, uh, you can send them both back and we'll give you a full refund. I'm like, fuck no, that's not happening. You know? Um, and then the option B is they credited me back like 16 bucks. So I got the two of them for less than they would have retailed at like Walmart brand new, you know? So, uh, I, I basically, you know, spend less than 30 bucks on each of the figures. I am, I wouldn't even spend another hundred on it. You know, if it was the Balor one that was destroyed, I'd consider it, you know, uh, I've considered finding the Shawn Michaels ultimate. I've believe it or not. I've, I've, I've looked at the Bret Hart ultimates, you know, but not paying a lot of money for triple H. So I'll say this. I was I was kind of buying some time here to to try to find the picture that you'd posted in the major boys group. Yeah. To look at the box of the Triple H. It's not great shape, but it's not terrible. No, the figure's fine. And no, the, I, I see where you're talking about. Like, uh, like even the fin box has like a little bit of questionable whatever on that one little corner there. Yeah, the top left. Yeah, it's not. Um, 
Yeah, but like you said, the Triple H don't look terrible. The, the box don't look terrible. Yeah. The way I display all my figures are like basically due to space limitations. They're just showing the spine. You know, they're like right, nice in your picture, right? Yeah. So it's like it doesn't look that bad there. You know. I no. No, you you could it 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 stands out, but it's not the end of the world. I say keep it. You're good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna hold on to it until I get bored with Ultimates, until the bubble bursts, and I'll sell all the guys I don't want. Uh, but you had mentioned selling the Triple H and using it to buy a Minter Triple H. I actually yes. have a funny story of a non-purchase that I want to talk about, and this is a, a comic-related purchase. So we're going outside the realm of toys and and wrestling figs. Uh, you know how I, much to your chagrin, am a fan of CGC Comics, correct? Yes. <laughs> so when I got heavily into buying CGC books, that was pre-pandemic, which means pre-explosion uh, of all collectibles and pre-prices going up. So there was a lot of CGC books that were on my kind of my want list that I was always like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. Maybe when I get my taxes or maybe when I sell something, I'll, I'll go and buy that book. Um, but there was a, a one of my favorite comics as a child, uh, not storyline wise, but just favorite physical comic was the first solo miniseries of Gambit. If you remember, he had a four issue miniseries. I do. Uh, was that the what the Jeff Loeb uh, maybe written, maybe like a pre like Tim Sale, Tim Sale art, maybe? No, that was uh, like a Gambit Wolverine miniseries. Oh, like, yes, yes, yes. I know. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This is like an origin story or him going back to his like hometown of New Orleans and kind of like running into people from his past or whatever. But the first issue has uh, a black cover with like a gold Gambit logo, like a gold foil. And they did a one per store variant where the colors were reversed and it's basically like an all gold cover you know, with like black writing. So it's a considered like basically Gambit number one gold edition. So it's a very rare uh, early variant cover. And I bought one of those from my local comic shop, which this was prior to me going to our shop, Comics on the Green. Right. Uh, I, was, I was buying it from uh, a now defunct Bill's Comics. And, you know, I take very good care of my comics. And I had that one for the last 25 years or whatever. And a year or so ago, I sent it out uh, our, through our comic shop to get it graded, and it came back a 9.6, which is good. But like, if you're like me, you want a 9.8. 9.8 is basically perfection. I know you could say a 10 is a perfection, but when it comes to comics, 9.8 is the thing to have. So ever since I got that book graded, <clears throat> excuse me, I was looking on eBay and I was like, oh man, I'd love to just buy a 9.8 and then sell this 9.6. And pre-pandemic, a 9.8 was maybe a $300 book, maybe $350. Okay. And and I never pulled the trigger, and I just kind of forgot about it. And it's always been on my saved watch list. And one of them popped up the other day, you know, in an auction. And it was like one of those things where, you know, starting bet a dollar or whatever. So you're just watching it throughout the week. And we were down to, you know, a, a, an hour left, and it was at about 250 bucks. So, um, you know, I set a timer. Okay, notify me when it's like a, two minutes before the auction ends. And two minutes before the auction ends, it's at like 260, 270, whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to go in there, you know, with like two seconds left. And I'm blowing these sons of bitches out of the water. I'm going to put in a bit of 500 bucks. 
Jesus Christ. In, in my mind, because I'm going to go, if I spend 500 bucks, then I'm going to go and sell my 9.6, and maybe I'll get 200 bucks for it. Maybe I'll get 300 if I'm lucky, whatever. And I'm going to basically out of pocket only be spending like $200 on that book, you know? So that that's my mindset, kind of like you were saying with the Triple H. And so with like a second left, it was at $266. I put in a bid of $500. Uh, I hope you didn't look. Do you have any, want, want to guess what the book ended at? Too obviously, I was gonna say obviously I lost and I lost poorly. This is a this is a broski uh, a, a Remco story going on right here. And the book ended up going for like eight hundred and seventy seven dollars. Woo! Oh, I thought I, I thought the story was gonna be that you ended up getting it like for way lower. No, no, this is a rare tale of defeats. This is I thought that I was going to be going in there and totally throwing my weight around and just dropping a five hundred dollar bill, a uh, five hundred dollar bid. And I don't even bid if I'm gonna bid five hundred. I don't bid five hundred. I bid like five oh seven fifty two or something like that because I don't want to even out the shipping. Yeah, uh, just I, I want to just offset anybody who went and put in like 501 or something like that. I don't want to lose it by a dollar. So I thought I was going to destroy my competition, but no, I got squashed, bro. I got squashed. So once again, Gambit number one, gold edition, CGC 9.8 has a, has eluded my grasps and, and it may no longer be obtainable for the hundred dollar Bansky. Uh, I think that book is, has escaped just like my, I've wanted the first appearance of John Constantine for a while. And I used to, kick around getting a 9.8 back when they were a $400 book. And now I'm, I can maybe afford a 9.4 at this point. Cause the book, the prices have gone so high. I'm, you know, I'm famously, uh, you know, Todd and I over on uh long box heroes are famously, famously, um, not CGC people. Right. Absolutely. But I know I wouldn't like, I know I could avoid falling down that rabbit hole, you know? Yeah. I could get my one or my two or whatever it is and be done. We're talking about it. I'm going to take a peek at the book that I would want, my CGC. And I'd be okay with a 9.6. I know 9.8 is the Well, let me ask you this preferable. Before, before you reveal what the book is, what like year or decade did it come from? Uh, 2000s. 2000s. All right. So I already know what it is. <laughs> but... Uh, I in that era, you want a nine eight only because uh, anything from the the comic boom of the nineties or later, uh, a nine eight is what commands the the resellability. Now, if you want something just to make it look pretty and be able to put it up on a shelf and not have to worry about it, you know, getting dog eared or dusty or whatever, sure, get whatever grade you want. Right. But if it's like, oh, I would like this one book to keep and I'd like a, a, a pristine version of it, you know, then anything from the nineties or later, you want a 9.8. It's when you start getting into the eighties, the seventies, the sixties, then you got to really lower your standards. For me, I feel like anything from the late seventies to the mid eighties, like I'll accept even a 9.4. Uh -huh. you know, like a lot of my, like my first appearance of the Punisher, uh, my like first appearance of Star Lord, or just random, you know, high end books that aren't from the last twenty five years. I, I kind of shoot for nine point four. But I'm going to assume you're about to look up Thunderbolts. Is that correct? No. 
No. Okay. All right. Uh, so the one that I'm looking up would be uh, from the 2000s, Flash 182, which was that Captain Cold solo story with the Brian Boland uh, cover. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. So sadly, there's only one on eBay. And it's a 9.8, and it's it's $800. But the reason that it's $800 is, is because it's also signed by Grant Gustin and Wentworth Miller from the Flash TV show. <laughs> and I don't care about that. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm shocked that there's not, like, any even completed listings and stuff like I know. That. Huh. I know. So my thing there is... So now the goal is to find a copy in good shape. If I do decide to go down this road, which again, I probably won't, but here we are. Yeah. Um, that I would have to go and get and find and get graded. Yeah. Because I mine a- ain't a nine point. Mine ain't a nine, right? I read my goddamn comics, you know? Yeah. I am on the CGC census right now, and I'm going to find out a population report of that book just to see if there's lots of them out there or if there's not a lot. So we said 182, correct? 182. Volume 2, specifically. Um, oh, shit. All right, never mind. This volume isn't – it's saying 182 is in 1970, so I'm on the wrong yeah. volume. Right. All right. Believe it or not, CGC's uh, thing is not the easiest thing to look through. What? Yeah. Mm. All right. So this might be too much information or too much digging, but I'm going to find out a population report and I'm going to get back to you on it. And I'm going to let you know just whether or not you're looking for something that there's thousands of copies on or if you would potentially own the only one. And and that's I think that's important. Uh, I recently... Not recently, but maybe like a couple months ago, I bought a Boom, you know, Boom Studios does the WWE comic. Yeah. And you know how it was a big fad a year or two ago for variant covers to be like the action figure variant, like Marvel did it all the time. Yep. And, you know, uh, there's a an issue of WWE comic where the variant cover is the Broski action figure cover. Oh, that's hilarious. And CGC uh, has a zero population report on it. So uh, I bought a copy for like five bucks, 10 bucks on eBay or whatever. And it came and it's beautiful. Like it's it's pristine. I might have our comic shop send it out and then I will dangle it in front of Broski as being a one one and we'll see what happens. <laughs> that so that would send him down a dangerous road. <laughs> And I'm fine with it. Oh, wait, I found found that book while we're at it here. Okay. Uh, Flash. Here you go. Uh, Captain Cold Appearance, Jeff John's Story, Scott Collins, and Dan Panosian art. Sure. All right. All right. From 2002. Has a CGC population report of nine copies graded total. Okay. Three of which are signature series. Okay. Um, so, uh, you can, obviously if you eliminate them, there are six graded copies that are not signature series. There's two 9.8s and one 9.6. Uh, 
And then there's some random, like really low grades, like people have got like a five graded or an eight. But so when it comes to 9.8, there's only two of them out there. So I think your strategy is you do need to, to grade that yourself. Yeah. But again, if I was to get the one, that'd be the one. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll make that happen. What? Maybe. No, (laughs) I don't think so. Who knows? But uh, that's all I got, Joe. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 156 of At Oz with Wrestling. Bearing with us a little bit more, getting into some dis, uh, buying and selling discussions here at the end. But this is what weekly, yeah, that's what weekly purchase is all about, right? Yeah. Uh, so for Adam, this is Joe, again, saying thanks for listening. Be safe, everyone, and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.